can Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You get like a I, hiccup I, or a burp and you try to swallow it. That's what we were doing there. This is the press box. <laughs> some guy some guy heard that yesterday. It took him two two minutes to tweet. He thought it was a soda can. I said, come on, it's eight in the morning. With Grady and Bischoff. Jared, you say that like the quality of these shows have been good since we've been doing it for yeah, home come anyway. On, Jared. On ESPN Las Vegas. End of another week. It's a Friday. Working towards that Monday Night Football game with the Raiders. Should be a big deal. Ed, Tyler, and Jerry. The first bite. Does it matter if Josh Jacob plays this week? Well, according to John Gruden, he has no problem throwing in uh, the guys who handled it last week. But I, I want to ask you about Derek Carr's comment the other day because I, yesterday I thought... I don't know if it was kind of a, not a shot at Josh Jacobs, but a way to motivate him where he said, well, he's out here today, but who knows? He's got to get back. I mean, he was, it was, that's as close as Derek Carr's ever, ever going to come to, you know, hey, saying something about a teammate to where, hey, we need you in a veiled sort of Derek Carr way. So I don't know if they need him, but Peyton Barber, according to John Gruden, he has no problem throwing him in there as the guy. What did Derek Carr say last year about Trent Brown? Did he? I, th- I feel like he gave. Did he a say quote. the same kind of thing? I feel like he gave a quote last year about, "Hey, we need him" or something. Yeah, he along says those it in a way where you're like, "Is that kind of you <laughs> sending a message to him?" I mean, yeah. yesterday Josh Jacobs, it was the same thing. Everyone in the media room said, "Was that him saying, hey, you got to go now'? I mean, we, you know, we need you to play without saying, hey, you got to go now. Yeah. We need you to play.'" He said, "Well, <laughs> he's out there today, but who knows?" <laughs> I thought that I thought that was interesting. He doesn't usually go down a road where you you know, infer that he might be getting into a guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think they need him. I don't think it's relevant to them actually winning or losing games. Uh, That's sort of been one of the biggest analytical trends in the NFL is that running backs don't really matter that much, that the difference between some of the best running backs in the league and some of the guys that are still on practice squads is not that significant. Is Josh Jacobs better than Peyton Barber? Sure. Sure. Does it make a difference in a game? Not really. I mean, there might be a couple of plays where Jacobs might get a yard or two more, but for the most part, it's not going to be much of a difference having Peyton Barber back there compared to having Josh Jacobs back there. And hell, it, we saw that in week three when they had Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber, and Peyton Barber became the lead back. Peyton Barber became the guy that John Gruden wanted to give the ball to, not the guy he gave $11 million guaranteed to this offseason. So I don't think it has much of an impact on the Raiders' chances to win uh, on Monday night against the Chargers, whether or not Josh Jacobs is healthy and available or not. Yeah, I mean, I think their bigger issues are going to stop Justin Herbert. Yeah. I mean, would Josh Jacobs maybe, maybe not have run for 111 last week? It's a lot of yards he, for an NFL back to run in a game, no if, matter who it is. If you combine Peyton Barber's rushing and receiving, Josh Jacobs has only had one yeah. game in his career with more yards than Peyton Barber had last week. That's all you need to know. First-round pick right. who's been productive, but Peyton Barber had a great week right. last week. And is Peyton Barber going to do that again the rest of the season? Probably not. No, probably not. It was a career high, right. and he's in his sixth year. Yeah, and the offensive line is not good. I don't expect the offensive line to create much of anything in the running game. And that, that's, like, my expectation this week is they're not going to be able to run the ball. Like, I don't I don't think it matters because Peyton Barber's going to be good. I don't think it matters because right. the offensive line isn't good, and we're going to have another week where we're looking around saying... He's going to have about 45 attempts. Yeah, but we're looking around saying Derek Carr led the team with in rushing yards with 17 or something like that, because I don't expect this team to have a very good running game pretty much at all this season because the offensive line hasn't been good. So I don't think it matters too much if Jacobs plays because the other issue with Jacobs 
is he has not been a pass catching back in the NFL. He supposedly coming out of college. A lot he of guy, he had a lot of goals. He had a lot of goals. He had a lot of goals. But coming out of college, remember, he was viewed as like, hey, he can do it all. You can throw it to him. He's a great runner, everything. And the Raiders have not used him as a pass catching back. No. And they brought in Kenyon Drake, who's a better pass catching back. And pay, hell, Peyton Barber caught passes at five targets last week. Mm-hmm. So it's that's the other issue with Josh Jacobs. Now I'll say, you look long-term at the Raiders and you look long-term at Josh Jacobs. You're looking at a reason that he's not going to get a second contract here. He doesn't play last week. Peyton Barber goes off. If they continue to win and he's out, or even if he's just only like playing half the snaps or whatever it is, he's not getting a second contract. Like as good as he was, as productive as he was in his rookie year, Josh Jacobs, there's no reason to give him a second contract. Once he's up, he's going, he's coming up. Like they'll have, they'll, they'll probably extend his fifth year option because it's still fairly cheap. To yeah, I don't. Your option. I don't think with where they picked him and sort of their egos, because they've gotten such a hard time with what has happened with some of their draft picks, that they would not give the fifth year option. Yeah, yes. I don't think they would not do that. But the second contract, if well, that's a di- wholly different. Yeah, story. if you're having to pay him significant money, yeah, and it's commit a big different. Yeah, three plus years of guaranteed money, whatever that contract would end up looking like. I, if you're the Raiders right now, I, don't, I think right. you're looking at it saying there's no way you give Josh Jacobs a second contract. You better off using that money somewhere else because you can sign a Peyton Barber off the street and get mm-hmm. a good productive running game out of it. So I don't think it matters too much whether Josh Jacobs plays on Monday. And I don't think it'll matter too much pretty much the entirety of the season if Josh Jacobs ends up playing. Um, I did want to ask you about this. So Dan Campbell. <laughs> Lions head coach. Uh, he has a game clock manager. Uh, John DeKima is on the Lions staff, uh, staff and advises Dan Campbell on how he should manage the clock. But here's the interesting part. He doesn't actually do it in game. He like does a review after the game with Dan Campbell. So he watches and like takes notes and says, oh, you should have done this. Could have saved some time. Could have burned some time here. He watches the game, takes notes, and then goes over it with Dan Campbell afterwards as more of a, hey, let's review how you did. I like that he has somebody who's monitoring how he uses the clock, uses his timeouts to save clock or burns enough time or whatever. But I can't understand why you wouldn't have this guy making an impact during games, like buzzing in saying, hey, you should take a timeout here. It'll save you some time for your offense or whatever it would be. I like the idea, but you got to have this during the game. Yeah, you're going to love this guy because a lot of it's analytical. Right. Like, what are you doing fourth down? What are you doing down in distance? But I agree with you in that, look, I have no problem with all coaches having this. It's not like, to me, it's not a admission of weakness. To me, it's like, okay, you want to get the absolute best decision at the most important part of games. I mean, then this is what the analytics tell you, and this is what, you know, like we said, what do you do fourth and two here? What do you do fourth and five? There's a lot of things going through head coaches' minds in that instance. So if you have someone who's at A, don't forget this or remember this. I've got no problem with that. I don't know how it makes sense after a loss, though. Like, I, you lose to the game. To go and review it? Yeah. yeah. Well, if he would have said two things during the game that would have led to a win instead of the loss, don't you know? Don't treat it like it's a weakness. Don't treat it like you have to come in after the game and maybe say, hey, help me out there. If you win the game, let, let's be honest, nobody cares how you won it. Nobody cares how you got to the win, right? If you, if the Lions won, you know, in le- instead of where they're at two more games so far, and it was because John DeKima made suggestions at correct times, believe me, their fans would want John DeKima to get a raise. 
They wouldn't care that Dan Campbell has this guy. I wouldn't care if I was a head coach and the guy could help me out in very critical situations. I'd be like, hey, what do the analytics say? Help me out. But to do it afterwards, because, again, not every same situation comes up in every game, right? Yeah. So you're reviewing it afterwards. Say, well, you should have gone on fourth and three here. You might not find that situation until three games later. Right. So let them help you during the game. I think every coach should have this type I agree. of guy. I didn't know staff. he had one. Right. I, and I think every every coach should have one and they should be able to talk to the coach during Without question. the game and being like, hey, this would be a great time to burn your time out. Like, hey, Mike McCarthy, there's a minute 51 and it's right. third and 24. Why are you not calling you should time call out? a timeout yes. so you can get Dak the ball yeah. back before halftime? Like, I think every single coach should have it because here's the thing. Winning football games is hard. Everybody understands that. But there are a few things that you can either A, be prepared for going into the game, or B, have somebody on your staff who's solely responsible for it that you just make the right decision Mm -hmm. to put yourself in a better chance to win. When to call your timeouts to save the clock, when to not call your timeouts to save the clock, and when to go for it on fourth down. And when to go for it on fourth down. Those are all three decisions that, like, those should not be hard. You should have like a guy and you should have a system in place that had you predetermine almost, Hey, these are the types of scenarios where we want to go for it. Right. These are the types of scenarios where we're going to burn our timeouts to save clock or whatever it is. That stuff you can be prepared for going in and you should never mess up in a game. Like those are, we hear coaches talk about like mental and physical mistakes and you're like, yeah, physical mistakes are okay. Cause you just got beat, but mental mistakes, you can't have those. Right. These are coaches that make mental mistakes every single week. And you can just hire somebody to take that responsibility away from you. Mike McCarthy can just hire somebody to tell him when to call his damn yeah. timeouts. And nobody would care. Everybody would, be nobody like, would care about right. that. Everybody would be like, awesome. Mike right. McCarthy. That is exactly. a fantastic use Absolutely. of your resources because you suck at this. And if somebody else can make those decisions, you should let them do it. Didn't we all praise Sean McVay for having a guy whose just entire job is to hold him back? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, he, man, he didn't does, do it last week. I think he was running down the sidelines like a nut job after a touchdown. Well, it's uh, Harbaugh in Baltimore. He has a guy that tells that, that basically informs him, hey, it's fourth down. Should you go for this or not? He's basically telling him, hey. But he's doing it during the game. Yeah, he's doing it during the game. Right. right. And that's what should be happening. I think for every every team should have yes. that guy that's you're not that's not worried about like game. The coaches can override him and say, no, the game flow doesn't. Absolutely. Right. But you should have a guy that says, hey. Our our chance to win goes up if we go for it yeah. here or whatever. Our, you, our win probability goes increases. up forty percent or right. whatever. It if is. we go for it here versus punting, there there should be a guy that's telling the coach that information. And if the coach wants to say, "No, my offense is horrible. I have Jacoby Brissett. I'm not going for it," then fine, like that's fine if he wants to make that decision. But that he's got you got to have somebody that's at least giving that coach the information. So last night you think, and it was perhaps not because it was such a short down and distance. Would someone be telling Urban Meyer, here's the analytics on if you go for it fourth and goal? And that Lawrence didn't make it in. But would you say that, or is that just too short of down distance? I mean, that was like that was less than a yard. So at that point, you're like, all right, can we get a yard? I do think we've gotten to a point where fourth and goal from the one has become pretty obvious that you should always, always go, go for, for fourth and goal from the one. Because the other part of it is, okay, first and foremost, fourth and goal from the one. If you go for that every single time and you get it 50% of the time, you're going to score more points than if you kick yes. the field goal every single time. But the other part of that is that even if you do not get it, 
long as you don't throw like a pick six or something. But if you get stuffed on the one yard line, the other team now has the ball on the one yard line. Right. And which the, Cincinnati did. Right. And now Cincinnati drove yeah, out of there, which which happens, but a lot of the times, probably more than half of the time, you're forcing a punt. You're getting a three and out in that scenario because offenses tend to suck when they're on their own one sure. yard line. And even if you don't get it, you're getting the ball right back at midfield just a few minutes later. You should fourth and one from the goal. Always you should do. always do it. The bigger concern was the uh, Jaguars punted. I think it was fourth and four right around midfield with about four minutes to go in the game last night. Never got the ball. Back. Never got the ball back and they lose on yeah. a, a field goal. That to me was the bit. That was the bigger one where they, they should have gone. for. So that urban might, have, you know, does he have someone in his ear saying, Hey, you need to go for yeah. this. Yeah, I, I doubt he does. But yeah, he absolutely should saying, hey, this gives you uh, this puts your team in a better chance to win if you go for it now. And again, if Urban Meyer wants to overrule it and say, no, I don't feel like that's the right, right decision. Then that's his prerogative. Fine. I mean, coach. Yeah, we're still going to yell about you making the wrong decision, but that's fine. But every coach should have at least have somebody giving them that information on the fly. So they so basically you want the information to make a decision. Sometimes when you pin a team on a punt. They'll actually do something on first and 10 from the one-yard line, like throw a screen in the back of the end zone and stop for a safety. <laughs> like, you can always hope for that, right? So let's throw a screen in the back, the back of the end zone and get a safety. So, yeah, there's all kinds of things if you pin teams. <laughs> all right, coming up next, we'll jump into the NFL, a little bit of look ahead to Sunday, plus the Super Bowl halftime show. Who are all these people? 100%. It's the offense he's run his whole career. Well, I mean, it hasn't evolved here, but, you know. The running game is the running game. The running game is different, but the passing game is the passing game. That's pretty similar. I mean, you could call almost every play from the flare control to the protection to, you know, similar to the way we, we do it. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. When Bill Belichick says you can call almost every play that Tampa's running, they kind of have to win this game, don't they? <laughs> I think Brady's thrown for like five TDs. I think he's going to destroy him. I, I don't. It, it's it would be such a Tom Brady thing to do to go in there and just absolutely destroy them. Wouldn't it also be a Bill Belichick thing though to do that? Just completely shut down Tom Brady. One of the two. <laughs> what? Wait. What's funnier? Oh, I think it's funnier because he's in New England. If Brady throws like five or six TDs, I'd be laughing. I I, I think it'd be funnier because. The, what's always the crappy narrative about uh, Bill Belichick? Well, he takes away whatever you do yeah. best. Yeah, and Tom Brady goes out and throws six touchdowns. Like, uh, he was pretty good. Or or Tom Brady goes out there and throws six interceptions, and they're just like, <laughs> he broke his brain. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what would be funnier. Because I think it'd be funny if Brady won 42-3 to three and walked off and, like, was shaking. I mean, people would hate that because they hate Brady. I get that. But I think there's been – I think there's been a big turn on Brady. Yeah. I think in him, terms of people liking him, him leaving New England and going being to drunk Tampa off the boat and, and stumbling off the boat. I think a lot more people like Tom Brady now than they did two years ago when he was still in New England. I mean, I never hated him. I think there's been a big turn on how people view Tom Brady. And so I here's the thing. I think it would I would normally say it'd be funnier that Tom Brady goes in and destroys Bill Belichick. And it's funny. But I do also think like a nine to three final score where the <sighs> Patriots win would be hilarious. God. Like we'd if, have to watch it. <laughs> I think I'd find it funny if Brady goes like three and out every possession. I think I'd find that funny. I think I'd find that amazing right? if he went three and out. Like, just, I'm just, I, for whatever reason, it'd be a terrible game, but for whatever oh, reason, awful. I think I would find that hilarious if they go three and out 
every time. And somehow, somehow Bill Belichick. And again, if like the Patriots don't even make the playoffs, they win like seven games. It's like they're not exactly good. But the one game they win, <laughs> but they just dominate Tampa Bay. It'd be it'd be funny. I, but I don't I don't know which one I'd enjoy more. I don't think they're gonna. Die. I don't think they're. Gonna I don't win. either. I think I Tampa Bay is gonna win because the other the other part about Tampa Bay is because their run defense is so good. Teams genuinely just they don't even try to run that much right. on them because it's it's pointless. Like what well, you're gonna set yourself up best case scenario second and eight. Congratulations. Like so you just you just throw it. Even with Mac Jones, they're probably gonna spread it out and put four plus receivers on the field. And it'll probably be a short passing game, but they're probably going to spread it out. And that tends to lead to more plays and more points. So it probably won't be nine to three. I thought it was funny yesterday. They asked Brady about Mac Jones. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> I haven't watched. Him. I haven't watched him. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> does Brady, so Brady. <laughs> does of course. Brady, good. Uh, I was just going to say, does he still do his halftime Jim Gray for Westwood one on Monday night football? Yeah, he, talked, he does. He talked to, uh, I heard it this week or what at last time he did it. Cause his dad said something. Yes. And Jim Gray yes. asked him about his dad and Brady like had a, you know, fake prepared statement yes. about if my father continues to talk, we'll have to disown him or yes. something like that. So, okay. The only reason I asked that is if the Patriots have a Monday night game and he's just coming in like, yeah, I haven't watched these guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was like Mac Jones. I mean, you know, even yes, Carr about anybody. He's always got an answer. Oh, I watch quarterbacks like yesterday. Ask him about Justin Herbert. And you knew what he was going to say, but you have to ask him if you're writing Justin Herbert. You yeah. know what he's going to say about him. But Brady would be the one to say, oh, I don't know. I don't know that guy. Justin who? Who? Yeah, exactly. Who? Who's, Who's Justin Herbert? Who's Bill Lambeer? <laughs> well, <laughs> what happened to Phil? Philip Rivers. He, he plays for the Chargers, right? <laughs> we'll get to Bill Lambeer. Bill Lambeer. All right. So the Super Bowl halftime show got announced yesterday. Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, and Snoop Dogg are all going to perform at halftime of the Super Bowl. The internet broke yesterday when this thing got announced. It's a lot of names. Yeah. Good lineup. A lot of names I recognize don't know any songs they sing. I God. All I know is the response that I saw, Twitter broke in that room, to where people are like, do they have to play the game? Like, is it is it possible <laughs> they just have a concert and there's no game whatsoever? A lot of um, people. I was telling, How long is halftime? But before, well, before the show, I was telling you, so... One thing people don't realize is the people at halftime pay the NFL. They don't get paid because usually it is a way to set up a tour and there's no more global, you know, publicity you can ask for than playing the halftime Super Bowl show in terms of like the world watching. So they pay a lot of money. And this just in this group has a lot of money. <laughs> they will pay a certain fee to the Super to the NFL. That's why I was asking Jared beforehand, because this I mean, I'll ask him now because he knows a lot more about these artists and, than we do. I have no idea how much you charge tickets for this concert, but it might break records after the reaction I saw from people yesterday. Do you think this is them just getting together, and or do you think this is they'll go on tour together? I think that, yeah, I think the tour gets announced. Uh, yeah. They may buy a spot after the halftime show to announce to announce the tour. Yeah. And how much would this tour break records? I think this is... This group, if it's all of them every night, that's what I'm saying. And you don't know that. Maybe it's I, one here, two there, three there. Who knows? For good seats, easily four figures. For really good seats, you could be pushing that high. You could be pushing ten. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. There are way too many people. Halftime shows what? They get fifteen minutes. 
the I most. I mean, halftime's a little bit longer. Twenty minutes, in the Super maybe. Bowl, but the yeah. actual performance is is not the entire halftime show. That's way too many people. See, this is who's, why. Who's the actual headliner? Is Dr. Dre the actual headliner? He was the one center of the picture. So I just assume he's the actual. I headliner. assume he is Jared. So is it like I Dr. Mean, Dre? At this point, I would. Is it all? Is it all five of them and just on stage the whole time together? No, I think I think they're going to join each other in the end, but they'll yeah. they'll come on one by one, too or they'll people. do something like that. It's going to be a mashup, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's too many people. I'm the one that had the most now. recent hit is probably Kendrick Lamar, but well, that's the one. Like age range, just from having a twenty three year old, Kendrick Lamar is by far the most popular, maybe with people in their twenties right now. I mean, he's huge. Uh, so when that lineup was uh, released, but we had people in mean? the media room. In their 40s and 50s, and their yesterday in the media room, who thought this was easily the greatest lineup in the history of the Super Bowl? It's not even close. There's never been anything like this. Um, it's really good. Yeah. So I'll make that. Are my you going to the Are you, you going to the wedding, or does this cancel your wedding plans because I this is the halftime show? I don't care. About <laughs> I know. That. I'll I'll give you my prediction. Uh, this is not going to be a good halftime show. Really? It's gonna that's be, not. That's gonna be. That's overrated. the hottest take we've had in a overrated. long time. There's there's too many people. What are they gonna do? I don't know, but they're all extremely talented, so I think they're going to figure something they, out. No, <laughs> they're it's going really, to be overrated. They're We're all gonna... really good at producing, so I bet they're going to beat match and flow into each other's songs really well. It's going to be overrated. I heard on the way on the radio home from the facility yesterday, because this had just been announced. I don't know who the announce. I don't know who the uh, hosts were. They said Mary J. Blige is the biggest. That's. The biggest name I would here. say that because she sort of. I mean, I wouldn't say she disappeared, but she sort of like she left. For a little bit and now is back. I think they're asking the most iconic record, and sh- they said her. Is Probably. that fair? Yeah. Although, uh, Dr. Dre, I mean, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. That's, I know. This thing is going to be big. I hear, I hear you. There's too many people. They don't have <laughs> two <not>. hours. <laughs> they don't have two hours at Allegiant Stadium on a Friday night. They got 15 minutes. <laughs> all Tyler What wants. are they going to do in 15 minutes? <laughs> I think yeah, they can't even get them all something. on stage in 15 minutes. <laughs> They're old. <laughs> They're not. Well, actually, it is, uh, it, it most is fun. Yeah. It is fun to Google Snoop Dogg's age. Yes. Um, ah, boy, what a huge, huge line. I'm telling you, it's not going to be good. It's not. We're going to look back if and they say were it's too great many at what, But if they were great at what they do, would you still think it's bad because you don't follow them? What I'll if t- it was I'll, someone you followed? I'll tell you this. It's going to be just like how people who play basketball viewed three-on-three basketball in the Olympics. Well, Kelsey Plum said it was basketball and basalt because it's just go. It's just quick. You, those five names sound great to a lot of people. Right. But you get them for 15 minutes. You don't get them for a two hour concert. It's 15 minutes. You're going to no matter how great it is, you're going to say it was bad. No, I'll say it's good. I usually like the halftime shows. Really? The Super Bowl. They're usually pretty entertaining. Yeah. Even the right. weekend last year in the weird. It's COVID. So he's up in the weird box. But right, all of a sudden right. he's on the field. Right. I, even that one I thought was entertaining. But like this is too many people. They're going to be overrated. People are all excited. You, you, oh, excited. Expectations there. are way Lost too high. Lost their minds yesterday. Way too high for a 15-minute okay. show. I'll give you this. I think it's going to be good, but you're exactly right about what happened yesterday. No matter what happens, the majority of people will say it's incredible yeah. because the reaction yesterday was bizarrely insane about this about this group, about this halftime show. So you're right in the sense that those people who thought that are not going to change their minds. Yeah. Like going in, just, just people these who people, didn't react like that will have more yeah. of a fair evaluation. Just seeing those five people on TV, people are going to say it was a success, even if it's yeah. a terrible actual show, even if it's not entertaining at all. It's just going to be deemed a success because of the five names of the people that stand on stage. 
We're gonna have to we're gonna have to grade that, Jared, the day after. There's gonna be some serious grades the next day. Coming up next, Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Tom. Second down and seven. Tight formation, two tight ends with Uzama and Sample. Single setback is Mixon. Motion man is Thomas to the far side. Hand, fake the handoff. Toss it to the near side. Caught by Uzama. Makes his move at the 10. Uzama still going. Gets to the pylon for the touchdown. Uzama pushes off Jenkins. And Cincinnati is on the board. Joe Burrow sells it perfectly. Great sell. Exactly right. Ian on that run and then comes to the rollout to the left wide open. And you saw the tight end just crossing and wide open. And at that point, all Burrow was saying is get the ball to the Uzama in, uh, so he can keep running. And then that's a 6'6", 260-pounder just bouncing off and through defenders. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Austin Gale. All right, Austin, Thursday Night Football, overreact. Which city is better to live in, Jacksonville or Cincinnati? I would have to argue Jacksonville. I mean, the state, the state of Cincinnati, if you have to live in today, is the vibes are immaculate. You know, everyone thinks the Cincinnati Bengals team is going to the Super Bowl after last night. So uh, <laughs> I guess Cincinnati today, probably Jacksonville tomorrow. Also, <laughs> give me an overreaction. Which quarterback would you rather have for the long term, Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence? Oh, my goodness. This is one of my least favorite questions. I've got it multiple <laughs> times this week. I, I would argue right now I would take Trevor Lawrence. And that's crazy. I get it. He has not played well. But I would take Trevor. As long as I'm guaranteed I don't also get Urban Meyer in this situation, I would take Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> I sort of like Urban Meyer there. There was a couple tweets last night that said, we want to see this every week Sunday for a very, very long time. He is not a liked yeah. individual. Yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer – I mean, this has not been a good start. I mean, this is the first time he's lost four games in a season since his time at Florida. He's only lost four games in a season once in his literal coaching career. Off to a slow start in the NFL. Uh, We asked before you came on, what would be funnier? Funnier, not better, but funnier. Belichick wins 9-3, or Brady throws like six touchdown passes and wins 42-3? I mean, it's definitely the latter. I mean, it is Brady just blowing out Belichick in the hoodie. I mean, it has to be funnier. That is going to be sensational. Because, I mean, I just think from a content perspective, Tom Brady just blowing out Bill Belichick. I think there will literally be, on first take, the next day, is Bill Belichick overrated? Should he even be a Hall of Fame coach? I honestly, I honestly think that will happen. I will, I, I'll bet it right now. If Tom Brady blows out Belichick, people will be calling for his head and asking him to retire. I mean, if he gets blown out, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He did it all with Brady. <laughs> Do it with Mac Jones for once. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about Justin Fields and the Bears. Uh, where are we putting the majority of that blame? Like, is Justin Fields way in over his head, or does Matt Nagy not know how to get the best out of his quarterback? So here's the take. You know, everyone thinks that the main characters in this blame situation is Matt Nagy and Justin Fields. You know who's to blame? Ryan Pace for putting this disastrous roster together and playing Justin Fields behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. That's my take. I mean, they have the corpse that is Jason Peters out there at left tackle, barely struggling against Miles Garrett, an interior offensive line that is washed. I mean, it's not a good situation for Nagy 
or Justin Fields on the offensive side of the ball. 44% of Justin Fields dropped He was hit or sacked. One of the worst, it was, that's the worst rate of any quarterback in week three by 20%. That's, it's one of the worst rates we've seen over the last three years. I mean, it was a disastrous game plan for a quarterback that wasn't ready by a roster that is one of the worst in the NFL. So would you, again, what do you do now if Dalton's healthy and we're actually hearing Nick Foles' name and who, who they're going to go with? Like, what's the smart decision given what's happened to Justin? So I always say that it's like, what are ownership expectations? If ownership wants to win and go to the playoffs this year, your best quarterback on the roster is Justin Fields. If ownership wants to set Justin Fields in a position to succeed for future years in Chicago, play anyone but Justin Fields because he's going to get battered <laughs> behind that offensive line and he's going to struggle and he's going to, you know, there's the reason you don't play a young quarterback behind a bad offensive line is because he's going to get hit. He could potentially get hurt and he's going to develop bad habits. We're already kind of seeing that in New York. You know, Zach Wilson has the most out of rhythm dropbacks of any quarterback in the NFL because he's bailing out a clean pocket and seeing ghosts, the same ghost that Sam Darnold saw. And that is the concern I have with Justin Fields and playing him right now. All right, rank these offensive lines. Uh, Raiders, Steelers, Bears. Raiders is number one. Steelers is tying. Like, it's a struggle bus to get <laughs> between the Bears and the Steelers. I would argue that the Steelers is even better, though. Like The Bears' offensive line is not in a good situation. The Steelers' offensive line, at least, has some hope, in my opinion. Does it matter? We also talked about, does it matter if Josh Jacobs plays on Monday night? Does it matter at all? No, it doesn't. I mean, it didn't matter last week. It's not going to matter ever. I mean, the running back position, again, is not a needle mover. I mean, when you, know, you saw you know, J.K. Dobbins lost for the season preseason, the Ravens' win total didn't change a hair. Their odds to win the Super Bowl didn't change at all. I mean, this is not a significant change for the Las Vegas Raiders either. If anything, it's an encouragement to continue to throw the football. They run right now on early downs. The Las Vegas Raiders throw the ball at the highest rate in the NFL. That's why they're winning football games. It's not because you know, Peyton Barber is breaking tackles out there or the joker that is Kenyon Drake is making plays. It's that they're throwing the ball and getting aggressive and being explosive on offense. That's why they're winning football games. Do you think John Gruden will stick with that the rest of the season, or do you think the John Gruden we've seen the previous three years will come out eventually and say, hey, we got to establish the run, and they start running it more at some point in the future? I, it, it, this is a bad answer, but it's hard to say. I think they've played three very specific defenses that run a lot of man coverage. So I think a lot of the tendencies that you see from the Las Vegas Raiders right now might get broken. Like they run play action at the lowest rate in the NFL because John Gruden doesn't like to run play action against man coverage teams, and he's played three man coverage teams. So I do think as they go against more zone, you're going to see tendencies break a little bit. You have to hope, though, with the success they've had and the analytics backing him, they continue to throw on early downs at a high rate and avoid you know, running behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. We've seen their defensive line play pretty well to uh, to this point. If they don't Monday night, if for some reason they can't get pressure on them, are you confident at all in the back end and, and the second-level guys where Herbert won't go completely crazy? I mean, I'm definitely more confident than I haven't been in years past. You know, Signing Casey Hayward Jr. was a fantastic play for the Las Vegas Raiders in that they were able to bench Damon Arnett. You know, they don't have to play their young, inexperienced, volatile cornerbacks that can play some more stability back there. Moving Jonathan Abram to essentially linebacker has been a magnificent change of pace for this Las Vegas Raiders defense as well. I do think it's an improved defense. I think a lot of people are excited because this Raiders defense is playing well for the first time in 20 years. It's still not fantastic, but it's improved. And up front, I still think that can create pressure. I mean, Storm Norton is not going to have a lot of success against Unique Ngakwe or Max Crosby. Are the Broncos actually good? 
I do think they're good. I mean, this defense is top three in EPA per play allowed. I think it's one of the best secondaries in the NFL. And offensively, Teddy Bridgewater is playing the most aggressive he has in his entire career. His average depth of target is up two yards compared to previous years. I think the only concern I have now is the injuries they've had at receiver. You know, Jerry Judy's still out. KJ Hamler out for the season with an ACL. That is the concern I have. Can they continue to ride Teddy Bridgewater as the supporting casket battered? We'll see. So the Chiefs are in last place in the AFC West. Still assume they finish first. Who's the second best team, you think? Man, that is a sensational question. I would argue it is the Chargers. And I know this is the Las Vegas ESPN here, but I, I do think that <laughs> the Chargers are in a better situation because their defense is, is improved compared to, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders. But I, and I think they do have the best quarterback right now. Justin Herbert's top six in PFF grade, top five in clean pocket passing grade. He is playing out of his mind with one of the best supporting cast in the NFL, Mike Williams, Mike, Mike Williams showing up, Keaton Allen showing up. This is a very good football team on both sides of the ball with a coach that I think is in his, on his way to coach of the year honors. Don't worry about criticizing the Raiders on this specific show. Um, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, a high level or the next level? Can they make a deep run in the playoffs? I do think so. I mean, there is, you know, this defense has obviously seen some positive regression. I think last year it was overstated how bad that defense was. Now this year it's vastly improved. And offensively, I said this week one, if Dak Prescott is healthy, this is a top five offense in the NFL. And a top five offense in the NFL can make a deep run in the postseason. In the NFC, it's tougher, obviously, because you, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are juggernaut in themselves. But I do think the Dallas Cowboys can go deep in the NFC. All right, college football question for you. Can Ole Miss beat Alabama? I think so. This oh. is going to be the game of the year. Oh. Oh. This line opened up at plus 20 and a half, and now it's down to 14. Matt Corral and Bryce Young are tied for the lead in Heisman odds. This, the, 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 the total is 79 and a half. This game is going to be an absolute fireworks show. Whoever has the ball last wins this game. I think Ole Miss has a chance. What's funnier, Tom Brady putting like 50 on Belichick or Lane Kiffin putting 60 on Nick Saban? Oh, Lane Kiffin putting yeah. 60 on Nick Saban. Yes. That would be incredible. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Lane Kiffin diehard dating back to his Raiders days. I'm a Lane Kiffin diehard until <laughs> I die. I want to see him back in the NFL. And if Lane Kiffin does that to Saban, I mean, we're going to be talking about this game in like 50 years. Did you join the majority yesterday and lose your mind at the halftime show for the Super Bowl? No, I did not. This, this, this halftime show, I, I haven't been excited about the halftime show since Shakira did it. I'll say that. <laughs> there's too many There's too many people for 15 minutes. I don't understand what they're going to do. Is it going to be like hokey pokey here? It's going to be so many different bodies. I mean, we were, last year's halftime show was a legitimate disaster, a borderline meme the entire time. This year, you have to hope for better success. Wait, you guys need to start grading these things, yes. right? I mean, that'd be a oh. whole, whole, whole different sub-site that you guys could get massive hits on. I'll talk to Chris Collinsworth, see what I can do. I think I can make some plays there. If we can get those graded, I think that's, that's a big needle mover for PFF. Well, he's Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Austin, we appreciate it. Thanks, Austin. Absolutely. Thank you. Would be nice if they graded it. They people, people would be all over they that. Would, absolutely. And they'd go crazy if they didn't get like a high grade. Yes. People would go just nuts. They just bring, I don't know how you bring in like a guest musician or something yeah. to, to, you know, criticize like, ooh. Didn't hit that note right. there. Or, oh, they little were pitchy. Little yeah. pitchy. It'd be great. It'd be phenomenal. Coming up next, Thursday night football. Oh, it was actually good. But first, we have tickets. Do you want to go watch the Golden Knights play the Arizona Coyotes on October 7th? We got a pair of tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 11 at 702 702- 
364-1100. The winner will get two tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Coyotes on October 7th. Cincinnati at the Jaguar 32. Burrow looks downfield. Flag is down. Loops out of trouble. Throws on the move. Makes the connection. Ujama the catch. Turns it upfield. Left side. Touchdown. Bengals for 32 yards. Penalty marker on the play. Back at the 29. I believe it's going to be holding on Jacksonville. I believe on 50. Damian Wilson, I believe. The, the announcement. Illegal use of the hands. Hands to the face. Defense. Joe Burrow on the money. And C.J. Uzama. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Congratulations to Chris. He won a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Coyotes next week. Uh, Ed, we had this conversation with Adam Candy one day when you were gone. How do you pronounce the nickname of the football team in Jacksonville? Jaguars. Okay, thank you. Jaguars. Jaguars. Adam yelled at me for saying Jaguars. Jaguars. What's he say? Jaguar. I don't Jaguars. know. Jaguars. Jaguars. Jaguar. Jaguars. Jaguars. Yeah. See, Ed and I are right. That's how, that's how you pronounce it. Jaguar sounds so pretentious. It's a little uppity. That, that, yeah. A little uppity. It's the name of the animal. Sounds pretentious. Jaguar. <laughs> Get a little. Jaguar. Yeah, you sound pretentious. <laughs> you should be punched in the face every time you say it like that. So. Jags lost last night. They've lost 19 straight games. Uh, the NFL record is 26 straight losses, which is what Tampa Bay did when they were an expansion franchise. They lost their first 26 games. And Jacksonville's not too far away from that now. Like, it's a legitimate possibility at this point that they could lose seven more games and be and tie that record at 26. Oh, absolutely. I, I was looking up their schedule. They get... Okay, they get... Uh... Tennessee next. Um, they have a bye because I'm trying to base it on they. They're Miami home against Miami. So at versus Tennessee versus Miami, I guess Miami would be kind of open there. Maybe I'm looking for anything. Then they get the bye. <laughs> then they're at then they're at Seattle, home to Buffalo, at Indiana, San Francisco. Then it gets to where it's probably not going to happen. So what do you think, Miami at home? But Miami feels like the team I mean, that is not going to lose to bad teams. Well, like well you know what? Miami might be in enough. London because it's 6.30 a.m. our time. Oh, it is a London game. Oh, it's yeah. a London game. The London Jags. Um, the London Jags. UK Jags. It feels, it feels like Miami's a team that's not really going to lose to bad teams. That like They're, they're not going to beat good teams either, but they're, just, they're, they're fine. They're just a fine football team. So they're probably not going to beat them. I doubt they beat the Titans. <sighs> The Seahawks haven't looked that good, but they're still better. But it's than, in Seattle. Yeah, they're still better than Jacksonville. Home to Buffalo. They won't be Buffalo. Maybe the Colts. At Indy. It's on the road. It's in San Francisco. Maybe Atlanta at home. At the Chargers, no. At Tennessee, probably not. Home to Houston. They they started off the season losing 37 to 21, but at that point, who knows what Houston's going to be they, like. But if they get that far, they'll have broken the record. They'll have broken the record. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the Atlanta game would break the record. Didn't wasn't there yeah. a back to back year with where the Browns they won one game and then they went zero and sixteen the next year? Didn't you got to you got to put that in the right spot, put that win in the you right. You got to win. You got to win with Gardner Minshew and then yeah. go on a horrific losing streak. Yeah, that's the key there. So it's uh, it's funny to see Urban Meyer lose. Oh, it's well, so good. Uh, I have to read this because this is from Dan Lebitard and uh, Jared was nice enough to tweet to me. They showed me this last night on Twitter. Dan Lebitard, deep within and a place long dormant. 
Something visceral stirs, filled with acid and contempt. I wish to be better than rooting for the failure misery of others, but I can't keep it down. I'm rooting for Urban Meyer to feel like this on Sundays for a very for as long as time remains. <laughs> long dash Dan. <laughs> Jared, uh, no, it's just, in a very nice way, sent me that last night because he knew I would be right there with him. The quotes from Urban Meyer's press conference, he was, like, devastated. Oh, he said it was heartbreaking. Yeah, he heartbreaking. said his head was spinning, and he felt like 0-4. Like, it's not it's, – it's unbelievable that Urban Meyer, A, took this job, and B – are they going to win a game? You seem like bending down on his knees the whole game with his yeah. head down, sullen, like uh, about to cry at some of these moments in these games. Did he not know what this job was? Like, dude, you took over the Jacksonville Jags. They're all, look, every one of them from college on up have egos. He's one of the biggest ego ever. I think he thought I'm Urban Meyer. I'll win with Trevor Lawrence. I he's, think he thought that. He's never not lost. Yeah, he's never lost. He's never lost. Or, yeah, never not won, I mean. Like, everywhere he's been. Made Utah awesome. Yeah. Ohio State and Florida awesome. Like, so it's what he's always it's what he's ever known. So of course he thought he was going to do that in the NFL. I mean, you're not going to make me feel bad for yeah, it. Of course oh, he no. walked into the NFL and no. thought he was going to be good. Um, by the way, I do have one thing that we should uh, highlight here: Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals into the first half. Did you see the very end of the first half? They get the ball on the, the one, one yard. Yeah, line. they do three sneaks to get out. No, well, they got the ball or, on the one yard line and. They tried to get Jacksonville to jump yeah, to off jump, sides right, to jump. and took the delay of game right? because they're on the one and yeah. the ball legitimately doesn't move. The refs don't even, I don't even think they mark it back when you get a penalty yeah. on the one. And then they ran a sneak and then they had to call another play and they tried to get him to jump off sides again, right. but they ended up calling a timeout instead of taking the delay of game. They should take an infinite amount of delay of games until the other team jumps off sides. <laughs> <laughs> there is no punishment to taking a delay of game, and if you snap it from the one, you might get a safety. True. So they should they should have taken a they should have tried to draw them off sides every single snap until they actually got them off sides. I so thought they you were gonna say they should the have sent like Jamar Chase on a go round and just chuck it up. No, well that would one. be fun too. But there's no punishment for an infinite amount right. of delay of games. Just keep taking it until they jump and then snap it from the six and go into halftime. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah, it's <laughs> a loophole. I mean, it reminds me of what was it? The old uh, Buddy Ryan Polish defense where he's just like, send 12 guys <laughs> yes. out there. We're holding them. <laughs> when the ball is on your one yard line, there is no punishment to committing a foul. Like if you're defending on your one now, granted, do they get a new set of downs? But like if there's right. like no time on the clock and you're defending on your own one, you should tackle every receiver until the end of time <laughs> until they either don't call it or they just screw up the offensive play so badly they can't get a touchdown.